All right, we are on with uh, Tim Gilpin. And Tim, uh, for folks who aren't familiar with you, just kind of give me a little background, sort of introduce yourself. Sure, I'm from Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm an attorney here, been here about, oh, all my life and practice <laughs> law for going on 37 years. Okay, and what kind of law? I do civil litigation, um, so a lot of injury law and things of that sort. And in the past, I was an assistant attorney general for Oklahoma. All right, so uh, we're going to talk a little bit today about... Um, well, specifically the, the current case that's pending against the uh, ex-president in uh, Manhattan, um, there's other stuff going on, and we can kind of you know float around some of that, but I think the primary focus is what happens tomorrow, um, why it's happening, you know, what are the ramifications, and I, I think the first thing that we need to clear up is what we don't know. So talk to me a little bit about what we don't know about what's happening tomorrow. So we're really still at the very beginning of the criminal process, and that's where a grand jury, 23 people unrelated to the facts or the folks involved, come to a decision whether someone there's enough evidence to indict or charge someone. That's what an indictment is, a charge. So apparently that's happened, and the district attorney has confirmed that for Manhattan. Tomorrow we should see the indictment unsealed. And what does that mean? That means we all get to see and read the indictment. I would anticipate it'll be what's called a speaking indictment, which means there'll be more than just the bare bones, which would happen in an ordinary one. That means that probably the district attorney is going to take some time explaining what backs up the charges. Now, we've all heard news reports about there's 30 or more counts, and each count would be a criminal act. So tomorrow, in front of the court, the uh, district attorney unseals the indictment. The defendant is brought in and asked to plead guilty or not guilty after a reading of the indictment. They can waive that reading if they've already, attorneys have already read it and don't need to go waste the time. At that point, the defendant is taken into the back through the processing system where there is what we would call booking, where there are identifications taken, uh, pictures, and fingerprints. Now, because we anticipate, we don't really know yet, we anticipate this indictment will be a series of misdemeanors and felonies, and what in New York they call, I believe, a Class E felony. Chances are there won't be a bond, and that the defendant, in this case Mr. Trump, will be released without a bond and without bail. Okay, so we don't know at this point, like you said, widely reported there's 30 or more, I keep hearing the number 34 floating around. I have no idea where that number came from. I don't know who that's coming from, so I don't know if that's true. Uh, we don't know if they're, at this point, if they're misdemeanors or felonies. One would posit they wouldn't be going to this much trouble for misdemeanors, but we don't know. Uh, we don't know how Mr. Trump plans to plead, although it's pretty clear he's going to plead not guilty. We don't actually know if they'll fingerprint him. His fingerprints are already on file in, with the state of New York. He's a real estate guy. He had to get a real estate license. They took his fingerprints, so they may or may not do that, right? There's a lot of there's a lot of ifs and ands and, and all that here, or am I just whistling Dixie? Well, it just depends, but I anticipate the district attorney will treat him with respect and do as utmost they can. Uh, but then again, when it's a criminal defendant, there are some things they have to do. There have to be pictures, there have to be fingerprints, and identifying materials. Um, I doubt we're going to get to see that mugshot. I doubt we're going to get to see any of that unless somehow it leaks out. Because in New York, they have pretty stringent laws about the release of mugshots, correct? Oh, that's right. In New York, they... they restrict and don't like those kind of things to get out into the public. Specifically in this case, because it is such a high-profile defendant, um, Mr. Trump can maybe use that to his advantage to raise political funds. Uh, the opposition could use it to raise 
political funds. And because of that, I would anticipate, although there's no guarantee that this experienced seasoned trial judge assigned to the case may already have some orders lined up after the arraignment. So one of those could potentially be a gag order. Mm -hmm, That's right. In which he would tell the defendant and or the prosecutors and or anybody else associated with the case, you are not allowed to discuss this in public. If I see your name in print, you're going to be standing in front of me and not having a good day. How likely do you think that is? Well, if it was you or I, that'd be likely. But if, but for a, such a high-profile defendant, what I would anticipate, no guarantee because we don't know, that this judge will admonish the parties, the district attorney's office and the defendant and the defense attorneys who are all over the TV and media too, to not talk about it. And if there is a lot of talk about it, that the court will be scrutinizing it and considering an order going forward. There's been some publicity about Mr. Trump putting out some things that could be looked at as threatening to the judge or to the district attorney. Um, so I, I would think with this high profile of defendant and not wanting to seem like the court's already biased or partial towards either party, the district attorney or the defendant, that he might admonish both parties in the beginning that he's thinking about an order. All right. So another question that's been on my mind, if indeed there are almost three dozen counts, and again, we don't know that for sure, but if they are, there are, it seems highly unlikely to me that those are all about, you know, this this adult film actress Stormy Daniels and, and a hush money payment, whether or not it was a campaign contribution and all and all that. And also, hush money payments aren't actually illegal. <laughs> I mean, it's you know, it, it's a fine line, but that is not illegal to do to give somebody money to keep their mouth shut. It's not against the law, at least not in the state of New York, as far as I know, or really anywhere else. So what else could possibly be going on here? Well, regarding what we call hush money, it depends how it's reported on your tax forms and the other things as to whether or not that could be illegal, whether it was the money was used from a campaign, all sorts of things to do with that, which we just don't know. But everyone's paying a lot of attention to the Stormy Daniels issue, and they should. But remember, if you pay close attention for the last several weeks or so, that grand jury apparently has heard from another woman who was paid hush money. This would be McDougal. I believe Karen so, Karen McDougal, yeah. I think. Uh, it was a Playboy model or something. In addition, if you paid close attention, the Trump Organization just went through a criminal trial in New York where they were convicted, and the chief financial officer was convicted and is now serving jail time. So you would anticipate in the middle of all of a Trump organization trial not too long ago that a great deal of evidence was accumulated. So I'll just bet more than a few of the counts of indictment we're going to see tomorrow are related to that and not only uh, Ms. McDougal or Ms. Daniels. So in in that case, uh, which has been adjudicated and it was, is probably being appealed, I don't know, but in that case, um, essentially, this was uh, taking the same piece of real estate, giving it one value for purposes of getting loans or against it, and then giving it a completely different value for purposes of paying the taxes on it. Am I am I more or less on track there? I think you're pretty close. Now, there were uh, several counts against the Trump organization, the corporate organization, and their chief officer, Mr. Weiselberg, I believe yes, is his name. sounds right. So some of those counts were for unreported income by him, the chief officer, Mr. Yeah. Weisenberg, and his failure to report it as income, apartments, cars, uh, private tuition. Payments in kind, they call it. The other thing is uh, money that went through the Trump organization and business deals, were they reported or not? And there also were some indictments, if I remember correctly, regarding um, 
how they handled appraisals. Every time you and I go and borrow money from the bank, uh, all the way up to Mr. Trump, we sign documents to say that this is accurate information. We are swearing and affirming, and that's actually a crime if we make it up or fudge it or lie about it. The trick is proving it was a lie and not just a mistake or a fudge. And apparently, uh, to the satisfaction of a judge and a jury, they proved it was a lie in the Trump organization. So there's got to be evidence coming out of that because guess who was signing all those forms and checks? Not all of it was the chief financial officer. Some of it was Mr. Trump. Because, I mean, it's his company. Exactly. All right. So, and and thank you, by the way, for making the time for this again, because I, I need to be educated on this. I know our listeners are, are interested to know what's going on here. Um, I guess the final question is, this is, this is legal jeopardy for Mr. Trump. It's probably not something that would necessarily send him to prison for a long time. But again, we don't know because we don't know what these charges are. But there is more in the offing. There is, um, you know, a Georgia grand jury that's investigating some stuff. There is a a federal prosecutor by the name of Jack Smith who's been handled, you know, looking at um, Mr. Trump's connection, if any, to the events of January 6th. Uh, to documents improperly stored or possibly concealed at, at Mar-a-Lago that, that were, you know, had high security clearance on them. I mean, there's a lot of other irons in the fire here. And this case itself, is this a distraction from those other things that a lot of people say, well, that's, that's the big stuff. That's the important stuff. I don't care that he's paying off you know, ex-porn stars. Well, a lot of folks will look at the New York or the Manhattan case and say it's a small potatoes. Now, no doubt about it, there's a grand jury in Georgia looking into very serious election issues. There's a grand jury, a federal grand jury, looking into very serious injury uh, issues with the January 6th and other things. But don't underestimate what this Manhattan DA has or doesn't have. Why? Because a district attorney has got his hands full no matter what, right? So why take on maybe the biggest public figure of our time if he hasn't got substantial evidence? And in his mind and his staff's mind, a good reason to go at it. Remember, not too long ago, some months ago, several of the special district attorneys who were hired to look into Trump-related matters in the same district attorney's office resigned in protest because they said this district attorney, Mr. Bragg, was not moving forward with charges on those issues. And he caught a lot of heat. So something was still there. Something boiled up to the top. Likely new evidence, likely new witnesses, but we'll find out tomorrow for sure. Because tomorrow they should unseal that indictment, and at that point it becomes public, yes? That's right. And in New York, uh, New York criminal proceedings, it's uh, even more so because you have to immediately turn over all your evidence to the defense. Um, now, that happens in any criminal Talk proceeding. Talk about discovery. Right. But in New York, you have to do it right off the bat. Right, like that day. You should. I think the judge makes sure it happens. Okay. And I would be surprised if they didn't already have the bulk of that. They've, I mean, they know what, who's been asked questions. They know what the DA the has been looking at, right? Talking about the Trump defense team. You would think they would be more or less up to speed on what what to expect tomorrow, or, or am I missing my guess there? Because I am not an attorney. I think at this point we're all guessing as to what the evidence is going to be and what the indictment and charges are going to be. A grand jury, remember, is a secret proceeding, and it's secret because if they decide not to indict, you don't want to smear someone's reputation. So it's you don't really know what witnesses they've spoken to and what documents or other evidence they've looked at 
by very definition. It's a grand jury. We can guess because there were reporters, not unlike yourself, who are stake out the courthouse and watch very closely as to who's going in and out and in and out of that part of the courthouse. You can guess what they're going in for, but you don't really know. I know that they, uh, this district attorney went the extra mile, it appears, because he invited witnesses that were favorable to Mr. Trump to testify. There were at least two that were aware of offhand, and of course he invited Mr. Trump to testify. Now, and I, I said one more question. I lied. I do that. Um, but the defense, for folks who don't understand this, the defense does not appear before the grand jury. The defense does not call witnesses. They are not allowed to make their case unless the prosecutor invites them in, correct? Depends on the district attorney and what state you're in. In New uh, York. In, in New York, it appears that no, they don't have to invite in the defense or allow them to present witnesses. But it looks like this district attorney did, did allow hmm. several defense witnesses or witnesses we could presume based on who they are and how they've spoken out in public are supportive of Mr. Trump's side. And of course, the district attorney invited Mr. Trump to testify. So what does that indicate to us? That indicates the target is obviously we know now, Mr. Trump. And we know that he thought he had a good enough case with the evidence that he wanted to give the defendant a chance to turn, turn the balance the other way. Here's your final chance. You can try and tip the scales the other way, or you can just do nothing. Which they chose column B, and so here we are. Mr. Trump chose not to testify, but we know I can think of at least two defense-oriented witnesses who were called and did spend hours in front of the grand jury. All right. Interesting stuff. Well, Tim Gilpin, thank you very much. Tim's a, an attorney here in town, former, is it assistant attorney general or deputy attorney general? Be assistant. As, assistant attorney general for Deputy Oklahoma. if you were federal. Okay. So yeah. assistant attorney general for the state of Oklahoma and, and a nice guy and, and willing to drop what he was doing and come help us out. So thank you very much. Glad Anything else you want to add before we go? That's it. All right. Thank you, brother.